0: Welcome to the Agents of Innovation Podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Okay, the Agents of Innovation Podcast is here in Guatemala City, and I'm sitting here at Cabell Restaurant with the chef and owner, Diego Jarkin. Diego, Welcome. Hi Francisco, how are you? I'm doing well, Diego, and uh, I'm I'm so glad uh, we can do this. Uh, you know, uh, Diego, you're obviously the chef and owner of Cabell Restaurant here in Zone Ten in Guatemala City. Uh, this restaurant sits atop uh, the 10th floor terrace uh, yes. of the Sixtino Dos Medical Building, and um, I know that you were born and raised here in Guatemala City, and uh, were trained in culinary school in Peru. That's right. Uh, and you just turned uh, the ripe old age of 32 years old. Yes, it was my birthday last week. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so happy birthday. I was Thank here you. at Cabell to, uh, to help you celebrate it with a lot of other people. Yeah, had, had some, fun, yeah. You had some great live music, which you, you tend to have here from time to time, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's
1: a fun place. It's a nice terrace with a great view of the city. Music makes it a lot better. Always a
0: yeah, for sure. Well, you also were sitting here in a beautiful room atop Cabell, with a lot of uh, bottles of wine, and yeah. I understand that in addition to being the chef and owner of this restaurant, uh, you also are involved in representing a lot of wine companies. Yeah, yeah, well, we, we have a company that represents
1: uh, three wineries from Argentina and one from Chile. Uh, actually i have a bottle right here that we can share so that's awesome where's what is this bottle and where is it from It's from argentina is uh, uh, the winery is called luigi bosca is one of the most uh, representative uh, wines of argentina they are involved in the evolution of the wine industry around argentina and promoters of uh, a huge movement uh, that has been going on down there. So
0: it's That's a great, well, let's it's, crack it it's, open. Yeah,
1: it's a really representative winery and, right. and I would like to share with what, you. What so. part
0: of Argentina did you say? Mendoza. Mendoza, Mendoza, Mendoza Argentina. Argentina. So, so uh, yeah, you know, one thing, yeah, Keep go talking, ahead
1: and, I'm gonna open it. Yeah, go, go ahead
0: and open it. You know, one thing that I've noticed being here in Guatemala is um, that you actually find a lot more wines, particularly from South America that people enjoy here. And it's funny because uh, Almost two years ago now, during one of my birthdays, uh, much older than Diego, uh, <laughs> I uh, actually, at, in Orlando, uh, I, I had won uh, through a charity, sort of one of these silent auction type things where, you, you know, you win, but you're paying for it. Yeah. But I had a really good deal, and they did a, a, a wine tasting at um, a place called Total Wine, which is oh, a, yeah. a nice brand in the United States, and they... You know sort of some people might know abc liquor and others but this is sort of one of those competitors but i didn't even know this that total wine does all these wine tastings and so then they gave me an option of what type of wines i wanted and we went with wines of the southern hemisphere which in my mind i was just thinking south america but then it also included south africa and australia new zealand and anything in the southern hemisphere but what's cool is when i got down here to guatemala and i look around there's a lot of wines from chile and argentina and, and places in south america that are you know, because in the United States, you know, we tend to, when we look abroad, we tend to look to Italy and France and places like that. Yeah. The but of old course world. we have Napa. Is it, right? You know, wines are uh, like divided
1: in the old world and new world, you know. Yeah. So everything in Europe is called the old world. Wines and the new world is basically But Napa is the new world, right? Obviously. Yeah.
0: And I know that uh, I, I met you, by the way, it's funny. We met. Cheers, man. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, guys. Cheers to the agents of innovation. Yeah, that's good yeah it's a nice yeah. pino wow nice Pinot. yeah um and what is the brand again luigi bosca luigi bosca and yeah, what is your role in that my role yeah with uh, luigi bosca do you we, just represent them yeah
1: we represent them and sell their wines here in guatemala and well we've been working uh, for well i started selling wine when i was 15 years old Now i'm 32 i've been working with them over 17 years old uh, and for now so we have a nice relation in fact before the pandemic and all this craziness started they invite me to cook in argentina and uruguay and we we were down there you know having fun in the vineyards and then moving to uruguay and meeting with other chefs and doing this gastronomic
0: adventure it was really cool that's cool uh, you know, uh, in most of my life, I pretty much can afford uh, what what some people might call cheaper wines. <laughs> well,
1: you know, uh, I, I I don't know. You know, it's always, for me, it's about value for money. You know, you can pay right. $10, $15 for a nice bottle of wine. If it's in that price range and the quality is good, it is a good wine. Uh, but if you pay 100 and you're getting like, a uh, fifteen-dollar quality wine, then you've been ripped up. So it's not about the
0: price; it's about the quality. One thing, and tell me if this is—if you think this is true—when we did that um, wine tasting at Total Wine a couple years ago, and we did wines of the Southern Hemisphere, one of the things they told us was, "Hey, um, you know, if you guys want to start getting more into these wines, particularly in South America, like Chile and Argentina, um, these tend to be a high quality at a lower price. Usually, they compared are compared to say Italy or Napa or something."
1: Yeah, you know, it's just uh, a logical thing, because uh, land is cheaper, Mm -hmm. uh, workers are cheaper, and everything is cheaper, so usually you get a a pretty high-quality wine for a cheaper price than, for instance, a Californian wine, where land is totally expensive, you know that, and, you know, uh, getting people to work is not cheap, so the whole industry turns uh, more expensive so obviously a nice quality
0: high quality wine is going to be expensive yeah well in my last role in uh, in development fundraising for uh, a non-profit but in public policy uh, i remember me and one of my former colleagues who was a writer at national review and i was working at national review institute and uh, we went out with some donors uh in chicago one one evening and they took us to this really nice steakhouse and served us they paid they picked up the whole meal and they served us some really top quality wine and we walked out of there and my colleague said francisco wow that was incredible the steaks and the wine i said yeah i said this i said this is becoming a problem for me now in my normal life because when i come to these nice dinners and people are buying these 100 200 bottles of wine once you taste that wine some of it's pretty good and then you try to go back to those 20 dollars bottles of wine that you can afford and you're like man that's why but when i'm tasting this right now i, I i'm sure this isn't 200 dollars. i don't know what this is but no 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 these. but bottle, this is good wine
1: yeah it's a it's a good high quality this is around 30 dollars. yeah that's good for 30 so yeah uh, value for money i think is is uh a great wine and yeah the thing is that just for you guys to know is that sometimes if you start just drinking wine you have no food around just you want to have a glass of wine you should start with the cheaper wine is because usually they are uh, lighter uh, they have more acidity more on the fruit side and they're not going to be too complex for your palate yeah so yeah the expensive wines are, uh, usually they go through the barrels. Barrels are expensive, and they do give them a lot of character to the wine and make them powerful and strong. Usually you need, will be needing food to uh, really enjoy those wines. If you yeah. just sip them, it's not that you can't do it. You, or you need a developed palate for that. So uh, it's just they are made different, and they have a different, uh, like, um how did i say that a uh, destination or they were made for a different reason right you know? yeah Different kind can, of purposes yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of purposes that's yeah. what i was looking for so yeah
0: Thanks. um well uh you know it's amazing uh the other place the uh, other thing we have in common uh is that we first met actually at the caranto cigar lounge yeah. cigar club here in guatemala city as part of the series i'm doing interviewing entrepreneurs in guatemala uh, i've also interviewed uh alex uh the owner um and founder of Caranto Club. Uh, I think it was like the third time I was there. I met you. And funny enough, uh, earlier that day, I actually visited a doctor in this building that we're in 1602. <laughs> I'd and never you, heard of it. You,
1: and you, ne- you didn't had uh, any clue that we were up here? No, right? I, but first
0: of all, I probably didn't even know that this building existed. I'd only been in Guatemala like less than a month. And I, you know, I've been living here most of this year now, but so it's, it's a recognizable building. It's a beautiful building. I think it's kind of circular, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I was in here and it was clearly a medical building, you know, you, all sorts of doctor's offices. I think I went to the, maybe the fourth floor or something, waited for the elevator. Everybody else is coming to doctor's offices. So a few, uh, literally my, I, I left here. And then went directly from here. Uh, well, I, got, I went to a pharmacy, picked up some, uh, some, medicine. some medicines, yeah. and I had them in a little bag. And I, <laughs> I literally took my little bag, and I went to the Carato Club because I wanted to enjoy the rest of the evening with the cigar. It was only my third time going there. And then I met a couple other, you know, I always meet interesting people there. And then you walked in, and you knew the group of guys that were there that, that I was talking to. And then I started asking you what you did. And you said, oh, I'm a chef, and, and uh, you know, I have a restaurant, Cabell. Uh, I said, oh, where's that restaurant? Oh, do you know the building Sixtino Dos? And I was like, I was just there. (laughs) I was like, yes. And I literally would, didn't, if you would have asked me yesterday, I would have never known what you were talking about. Um, So, but I said, you have a restaurant, isn't that a medical building? So uh, tell me a little bit about why this restaurant uh, is here in the medical building. So first of all, we didn't
1: start as a restaurant. We started as a business convention center and we were uh, focused on the medical industry. That's why we're in a medical building. Uh, Our corporation owns uh, three more uh, enterprises that work around uh, the medical industry. We import and resell uh, medicines uh, from all around the world. And that's the main reason we built this place up, you know, is we we needed uh, spaces like this because all the... Uh, little meetings and, my, and conventions and stuff were taking place in hotels and, and mm-hmm. restaurants. And they weren't, if you go to, to a hotel, usually they have a, a nice setup, but not the quality of the food. And if you go to a restaurant, it's too loud and you need to figure out how you're going to project something or not. So we did this uh, to combine those needs, or needs that we had and the industry had. After a while, uh, the place got so popular, we started taking uh, events from uh, any company, you know, all the industries, because actually all the industries needed a place like this. We own 13 salons or meeting rooms that have different sizes and all we totally equipped with audio and visual and everything that you might need to, to have. That was in this building? It's in this building. Yeah. It's, we own the whole floor, the 10th floor of, the, and part of the 11th floor. So yeah, and we were doing great until the famous pandemic started, you know, yeah. and all the meetings went to a digital uh, state, you know, and there's no more or there are just a few meetings that are with people around. And we had to figure it out. Well, I had to figure it out how to pay uh, my guys, you know. Uh, yeah. We were open and we weren't making any money because all the meetings were taking place in Zoom meets and whatever, those platforms. And actually that's going to stay because companies are saving a lot of money of uh, yeah, doing so those sort of meetings in a in, in a virtu- virtual platform platform instead of spending money in places like mine you know so yeah i my main salon i turned it into a a nice restaurant actually next month we
0: are turning well it's going to be the first anniversary of the restaurant of the restaurant because the the model here was not a restaurant that was really open to the public for like you would go to a restaurant it was it was just for people that would reserve meeting space yeah you know that
1: salon is pretty big and you can launch a product there for instance there were uh, mobile uh, phone companies that launched some of their of their phones here they invited 400 500 people and we served them and that was the wow sort four of, to
0: five hundred people yeah sometimes you were able to fit that many people yeah in wow. a
1: in a cocktail yeah yeah wow. because people is mostly standing yeah. so with the terrace and the salon you you could feed around 400 and that's more.
0: nice because uh you know somebody like me i've gone to i don't know how many conferences and events and business meetings that are in uh, hotels and you know some are better than others but the quality of the food it's it's the standard chicken dinner that you get everywhere else yeah. right so so here you have a top chef uh <laughs> who you know is making some pretty pretty good stuff and we're gonna get into that in a, in a few minutes cool now you uh, uh your father uh your family's like in the medical industry pharmaceutical industry that's and, right and so uh Is that what kind of gave you the idea to like, just having some knowledge about about the medical industry to serve them? Well, actually
1: it was about uh, also combine our interests because you know, uh, when I said, I'm gonna be a chef, uh, I wanna be a chef, I'm gonna study cuisine, you know, or like, okay, and you know, my dad is sort of like, okay, and what's gonna happen with Everything I built, you know, is and he's it. You know, you you don't need to be pressured. It's not your responsibility. But I would like somebody. So that's how we started to think how to combine our interests, how my career, my expertise, and my world that is wine and food, cigars, liquors, and you know all this stuff yeah. could uh, uh, work also with uh, the pharmaceutical industry. In that, and we found this is a perfect combination actually uh, the the companies uh, or the corporation grow a lot because of this it really worked you know so it was a nice way to to work together
0: yeah okay so i'm going to go back now we're going to take a little little we're going to go a little back in time um you were born and raised in Guatemala City. Yes. Uh, now, what was uh, what was the first job you had in life? Oh well, I started. <laughs> My grandma makes uh, jellies. You know,
1: uh, they, she still does uh, in the in a wooden uh, how do you say stufa stove. too fast stove? A wooden stove, like yeah, a like a brick stove, yeah. brick stove kind of. Yeah, it's just as you. Uh, Art- artisanal. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to say that. Uh,
0: is it like the is it like the oven you have outside here? Yeah, but
1: it's just uh, and so so she does these jellies and I start selling them in the in my school. I sell it to my teachers when I was uh, seven years old. That's how I started start making money. You know, I I had money since like I was a kid even. <laughs> My first time I took a girl to the movies or something, my dad was like, do you need money? I was like, no, no, I have have my own money. And then when I started to grow older, I started working uh, at my dad's office, just making, you know, packing all the medicine and sort of that. After I got out of school, I went four to five hours to work at the office, and he paid me five
0: quetzales for the hour. How old were you? (laughs) I don't know. I was like... 10 or something like that yeah, wow so yeah. working hard uh, helping helping that was your grandmother with the jellies yeah first the grandm- When you were like seven seven yeah and then at 10 years old helping dad pack well, the boxes i
1: i sell jellies for like two three years and <laughs> then i started doing that I, I i like to make money my my dad encouraged me that and, and once you get the taste of the money you, you see you can buy stuff with it you know you're just you're a child but you can buy candy you know something like that you, you feel cool you know so
0: so you you understand <laughs> that that hard work can actually pay off
1: yeah obviously and you know the first time i i sold a whole box because it was my dad who financed that box he said, he told me okay you're gonna i'm gonna pay for the first one but you're gonna pay me back these uh, they cost I don't I remember they 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 cost me like fifteen quetzales and I sold them for like twenty so I was making five bucks out of each jelly and after I sold twenty four you know I was like okay I got a lot of money because the, the time that he gave me the box he gave me ten quetzales to go to the to the. Cafeteria at school, and then when he came back, he told me. He asked me, "What did you do with the ten katalis? Oh, I bought this? I bought that. Okay, you're gonna sell these jellies, and you're gonna make a lot of money. If you like what you did with ten katalis, imagine what you can do with all that money."
0: Yeah,
1: I sold three boxes in the first month. <laughs> the oh first month, yeah, I was I went nuts. <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible.
0: So, so you learned uh, the value of hard work and the value of making additional money. Uh, mm. But let's let's move now to uh, something that's more related to your current career. What first stimulated your interest in cooking? Well, I
1: started cooking when I was four or five years old. You know, I got up uh, early, and my way, what I liked to do is, you know, cook breakfast for my parents. And then uh, most of the Sundays we had like a barbecue with my dad or my uncle I started cooking around my mom cooks a lot my dad's family we owns a lot of restaurants so so this comes in the blood you know it just happened to me and I didn't like school when I was like 15 years old I took the decision that I was uh, going to study cuisine uh, that I wanted to become a chef so that was it for me I just uh, ended school and went straight up to Peru oh, I just turned 18 when that happened So I moved to Peru Went to Le Cordon Bleu That is a French uh, academy That has uh, schools all around the world But it's Is it Le, Le Cordon Bleu? Is that Le Cordon Bleu, yeah, yeah.
0: That, does that, Is that a restaurant no. chain too? No, no, no It's, no, just, no. A, it's, it's just, just a, a culinary,
1: culinary I've definitely heard of it what? I've definitely heard of yeah, it. Yeah, there's like three in the States. Okay. Yeah, And yeah, it was considered once the best around the world. So yeah, it's a a well-known and, academy. And it's Peru a, a has good, an amazing culinary scene, yeah, right? And yeah, combine that with uh, with the Peru uh, Peruvian uh, whole culinary um, scene and everything that's going on down there, you know, it's just developing and growing and it's amazing. So I thought it's... And they speak Spanish, and they they had a lot of things in common with us. I love Guatemala since uh, I was a little kid. I I really like to be here. So I thought, okay, I need to go to a place that is going to give me a a better preparation that I can get in Guatemala, but that has to be, like, related because I want to come back. Right. So I need something that, you know, is similar. So that's why Peru has that. Culinary history that is amazing. The Cordumble. they speak Spanish. They were conquered by uh, by the Spanish. They had a, a, a pre-Columbian more uh,
0: Inca, less Maya.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but you know, so there's a lot in common. So right. I think I thought it it
0: would, it would be a good idea. I visited Peru in 2019 with a few friends. We were there for nine days. Um, went all over. Let's see Lima, Cusco, Machu Picchu. And then we went down to Puerto Maldonado uh, near in the Amazon area. That was fun. But I will tell you, uh, I've now visited twenty. So Iquitos, f- huh? Iquitos is in Iquitos. Iquitos?
1: I don't know. In the Amazon? You say Puerto Maldonado?
0: Puerto Maldonado. It's very close to Bolivia, like just very far down in the south part of okay. Peru. We took a flight there from Cusco, about forty-five minute hour flight, little small airport. Okay. But it, anyway, it was fun. But. Um, you know, I think I've, I've been in about 24 countries now, and people ask me, where's the best food? I, I can tell you that um, I, I thought it was in Greece in 2015 when I went there. And then uh, in 2018, um, I went to Israel, and Israel's right up there. It's hard. I really like that Mediterranean-style food. But 2019, I went to Peru. And let me tell you, the flavors in Peru, there's no more flavorful food in the world that I've been to yet. Than Peru, and then when I met you and I learned that you did culinary school in Peru, I thought, okay, and I uh, I know a little something about the fact that the culinary scene in Peru has really picked up in the last you know number of years, and um, and so how long were, were you in Peru? And thank you for I the was, refill. Yeah, I was there <laughs>
1: for three years. I I lived there for three years. I, I started working from the from the first month that I. I was there, so I, studied stayed there for a, actually my studies were completed in the second year, but I stayed one more year working because you know, cooking is, is about working. You have to work. You, you, you don't learn to ride a bike reading, you, you might get some tips yeah. cooking is like that you want to learn how to cook. You need to cook. Yeah. You, you need to chop. You need to clean. You need to do everything. It's well,
0: I've heard this from a lot of entrepreneurs in different fields. Uh, you have to learn by doing, and that by must doing. be much more important in the in the culinary scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can read, and that give can give you a, an advantage, but it's, it's about working all day long and making that. Uh,
0: so tell me about like wh- what was your sort of daily weekly schedule like in terms of like I uh, get up school really, yeah. and work and usually everything I get else. up
1: really early and went to my first job. And I and I left that around nine, and then went to s- to school. I got out of school around four or five, sometimes depending on the day. Sometimes earlier, and then I went to work in a restaurant. Wow. And I ended up work. The shift ended at around one, after we cleaned up everything.
0: One in the morning. Yeah,
1: one one between one and two. And would you
0: get back up the next morning and go? Usually,
1: like- I even put my tennis my my tennis shoes and went running like ten kilometers after <laughs> that because you you get out of the kitchen so so pumped up all uh-huh. the adrenaline. I, those restaurants never stop, so you you are in a in a pump state all the time. So you get to your house and you're like, wow. So when you work at, when you work till <laughs> so one in the morning, I, I, I most of the time I went running. Yeah. Sometimes I grab a bottle, as a cap, and pour myself, as a <laughs> cap, and just enjoy a little bit, you know. But usually i went running for like eight, so you so
0: hours. you work till one in the morning you go running do you get up the next morning again and go to that early job
1: yeah yeah you know i can i, I can do that I, I need four to five hours of sleep and i'm i'm undone so yeah. wow and how many days a week are you
0: typically doing
1: that most of the day is sometimes uh, there were six Sometimes seven, you know, it depended.
0: So for those of you that come to Cabell, and by the way, Diego works hard here at Cabell, uh, but if you see here, him here enjoying a glass of wine or having a cigar, uh, you, you know that there's a lot of hard work that went into this for many years Yeah, yeah. being a business yeah, owner.
1: That's the thing. Most of the people said, no, no, now you own a restaurant and thing. You're always having wine and cigars and having a good time. Yeah, but it's a, after a lot of hard work, I I had to... To work a lot to get here and now my job is also to do a lot of my public relationships down there you know people come here usually to have a glass of wine to have a cigar when you call me are you there can we have a cigar that that's every day somebody calling me yeah so we can have a cigar we can have a glass of wine you know i'm going with these people would you you have to show to the table and recommend them something so yeah and yes i do get in the kitchen most uh, sometimes when i see that they're, they're getting stuck and there's they're they're really like when we are full i all all the time i go to the kitchen uh, but i have a, a great team down there they execute it perfectly you uh, and usually when i get into the kitchen is just to organize them help them a little bit just uh, like let let them like uh, how you say that? Like, hey, untie a knot. You know, they're yeah. like yeah, they're like a knot, and you just untie that, and I can go back outside. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing I, I've been here enough times to to, to observe you, and uh, I could actually think of a time uh, not too long ago, a month or two ago, when uh, I had I had uh four friends here, my friend Lance, his wife, and uh his brother and his brother's wife, and we just came here on like a like a Sunday brunch and Monet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monet was playing. He's a musician. And Lance actually pointed this out, and I've seen you in action, so it was interesting that he pointed this out. Uh, so, of course, it's Guatemala, and it was—I think it was August, so it's the rainy season, and it could be a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom! There's an hour of rain, rain, yeah. and you have a nice outdoor terrace, but you also have inside. And we were—we started outside, and then as soon as the rain started, you guys moved as quickly inside. Yes, and then we watched as your team, uh, which must be used to gathering all the stuff outside bringing the tables and chairs inside and and you were joined them it wasn't like your your employees just did it you were there you were bringing the tables in you were hustling you were doing that and lance actually said to me now that's a great uh owner of a restaurant when they're involved in actually doing you know what some might call the dirty work right i mean like actually like you gotta hustle you're helping them out. And you just mentioned, you know, going down to the kitchen, uh, helping them out. So I think that, you know, just kind of shows like your longtime work ethic. And also, you know, you're intricately involved in every, every step of the business as well. You
1: know, you can't be a leader by just telling people what to do. Uh, They need to be, you need to show them, you need to support them. They, they, you're part of the team. Yeah. yeah you have to lead them but you're still part of the team so you need to get your hands dirty sometimes you know and it's impossible to lead a team of people that if you never show them that you also can do their job you know I just if you're just telling me what to do but you you never show them that you also can do the job they won't respect you it, right. you know uh, kitchens and well all the re- restaurants, business it's a tough world it's not for the soft TV ones so people is tough you work 18 hours a day uh, with a shitty pavement in most of the places uh, it's a physical work so yeah. it's tiring you get late to your house you're if you're married and have children everybody's sleeping if you're single like me it's hard to even get a girlfriend you know because <laughs> you're never there you, it's, so it's a tough world so people is people that work in this business are tough. Yeah. So you can't lead them by just telling them what to do. You need to work with them.
0: Well, uh, I've been here a number of times and you have an incredible staff and they're very attentive to everything. And uh, actually, uh, I also interviewed Jake Denberg, who's I know a friend of yours and- uh, <laughs> It's and his
1: birthday, is this weekend.
0: And, and, and Jake and you, I feel like you you are like two of the exceptions. So I said this to Jake uh, when I when I had a conversation with him on the podcast. Um, I said, Jake, every friend I've had that has come to visit me in Guatemala absolutely loves Guatemala. Most of them had never been here before. They just are uh, well, enchanted you by the, yeah you need to come to en- Guatemala. Enchanted you know. by the beauty, uh, all the natural surroundings, the history, I mean, just amazing. It's an amazing place. But then you know what everybody says? Everybody says, you know what? one of the most amazing things about Guatemala is the people. The people here are just so warm and friendly and make you feel like family and just welcome you in.
1: We like people from other places. We we are like we enjoy to to host people. We, it's something that
0: I think is a a good characteristic of the yeah, Guatemalans. You, uh, yeah, Guatemalans are fantastic hosts. But one of the negative things that people will say when they come here, most of the restaurant service that they get. Now, I'm going to say this as an American because I think in the United States we're very um we have very high standards or expectations on customer service, and I think that's why people there's an open tip line, right? There's not like a required tip, but it's expected that you're going to tip fifteen to twenty percent um, on most things. Uh, some sure, people Guatemala will tip higher. 10. Yeah, Guatemala uh, and some other places, right? It's ten, and, and for most restaurants, you you put it. It's actually just included in the. You don't have yeah. to worry about it. Boom, there it is. You have to like write the extra thing. Um, but one of the things uh, I have noticed. So when I talk about that in a lot of places in Guatemala, Americans might say, "Gosh, the service here. They never come over to the table. They never. They never care to talk to us. You know, whatever." But I would say a couple standouts are Jake's and Cabell. I mean, I think it's everything from the moment you enter, uh, where the host greets you and walks you over. Uh, to to the tables, to the waiters, um, and everybody being so attentive to you. You know, I've come here even just like the second or third time I came here. They remembered my name. Yeah, uh, maybe they remembered I was a friend of yours. I don't know, but yeah, they were- obviously
1: they will pay <laughs> much more attention. Yeah, yeah. And- but it was like no, they re- no, my, they my remembered. Stuff, my stuff uh, Francisco likes quality.
0: cigars. Let's let's give him the cigar menu. Francisco likes the artisanal beers. Right? They just wow, that was shocking that they remembered things. But anyway, anybody that's come here, uh, you can see that the it's another standard, and it's it's up to the the standard that I think you know high-quality restaurants, not just any restaurant, but high-quality restaurants that the United States would expect. So if you're listening to this and you're watching and you're you're in the U.S. and you're like, hey, I want a high-quality place with some good food, come to Cabell in Zone 10 in Guatemala City. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, uh, just ask for Diego. He's probably going to be here. But even yeah. if he's not, you're going to get great service.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it because it's a, a lot of hard work and – I'm glad to hear that it's paying off. Uh, and yes, this, I think Cabell stands for a lot of stuff. Uh, and one is the service. And that's why you see me on the floor all the time with my radio, just. Yeah. Picking on on yeah, them, you know, the yeah, in. yeah, yeah. I'm just always picking on them. And I, I, I usually apply a to him because I, I'm a pain, you know, where, <laughs> <laughs> and really that's, part of my job and I tell them you know what it's part of my job to make sure that you're making your job better than everybody else
0: Yeah. Bec- and, and also at the end of the I'm day gonna that's going to help business right yeah so obviously gonna, gonna stay and, then, and,
1: and, and they'll see it and, and the thing is you mentioned the service in the states or in Europe is different you know why because people that works in the industry usually is like you and me it's a huge difference here. The social uh, class and the education of the people that usually works in this uh, business is not the same as you yeah. and me. It's not people going to uh, La Marroquin where you work, uh, that is serving you. But in the States and in Europe, people that are studying in, in La Marroquin might be working at restaurants. It's a huge, huge difference. Right. So I have had the opportunity to to see the world, to travel, to work in Peru, in Spain, and in, in sort of places. So I need to, in, somehow I need to figure out the way to, to, to make them work like that, but they have to imagine it. They're doing it because I'm, I teach them, I show them, or I ask them to do it, but I, they have never had the opportunity of actually being in a, a Michelin star restaurant and having a meal. Yeah. I have had. I've worked in a place like that, and I so actually I eating in places like that. They haven't, so it's a huge difference. It's a cultural yeah, for thing. Sure. So, so it's a hard. It's a lot of hard work.
0: Speaking of Cabell, spelled K A B E L. What is what?
1: Where did you come up with that name? What does it stand? Well, for? actually, Cabell was the name of the main salon uh, where the restaurant is right now. Uh huh. And we which is
0: the name of the salon that happened. Cabell. Yeah.
1: Look, we started this place called C uh, M. Centro de Investigación y Educación Médica. We were, like I told you, focused on the medical industry. After four years, we expanded, so we couldn't call ourselves CM anymore. <laughs> so we started to figure, to just throw n- names. Centro Convenciones, what? Business convention, what? And I think it was me that I said, okay, our main salon is called CABEL, Centro Convenciones CABEL. You know what? That sounds sort of good. And Calomteca Bell is was a a queen, a Mayan queen, and it was uh, Mayans were a lot of. uh, They were sort of machistas. I don't know how you say that in.
0: Yeah, they were very masculine. Mm, They were chauvinistic. Yes. So most
1: of of the important uh, people were men yeah but in this case Calomte Cabell was even more important than the, the she king. was
0: like the cleopatra of the mayans Yeah, so <laughs> you
1: could say that she was a warrior and like she had
0: she was like cleopatra meets joan of arc sort of yeah so she <laughs> see when, me apply my when when when, <laughs> when
1: when so when we found out about this woman uh, being so important in in a uh, men culture we named our, our main salon after her and it is a good name for the business convention center and now it's restaurante cabell and business center. do so most
0: guatemalans would most guatemalans know who um cabell no, no 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 this no. is more of an inside baseball yeah thing.
1: yeah we we have the we we have it printed in in one of our menus for everybody to know the, the, the terrace
0: menu you know the usual menu so speaking of your menus yeah. What kind of food uh, do people expect at? Cab- would people find at Cabell? And um, and what kind of quality? You know, do you oh, deliver high quality? Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I
1: do whatever I want. <laughs> what I do is uh, outdoors food. I don't know comida de autor. How you say that in outdoors food? And what we do is exactly that. We do whatever we want. So we combine. It's not a fusion because I'm not mixing two cultures or something. I grab all the stuff that I know, uh, things that I pick up in every time I travel, uh, places that I have worked, and I combine them and usually uh, add a lot of Guatemalan ingredients. So the and I do classic techniques. I don't use modern techniques. I am on the classic side, the uh, French style. You know, a lot of butter. And, <laughs> and that's good. Of, yeah, it's tasty. <laughs> and I'm on I'm that classic side. But here we are high quality, well executed food uh, with a lot of Guatemalan ingredients with an international touch, obviously. And uh, another fact is that we grow on our own vegetables, we produce our own dairy products. I'm developing my own meat right now, and I hope in a year I can have my own meat. In my restaurant, I grow my own trout. You know, I try to really do the farm-to-table thing and yeah. to,
0: to guarantee our quality. So do you spend time uh, going out? I mean, you say grow your own trout. Do you go out to, I don't know, where fish Coban. farm? Coban. You go out to on. You work with, with and the, particular and the, and fishermen particular fisherman? No, no, no. How no, does no, that work?
1: No, no, I have a pond.
0: You have a pond? Yeah. Okay. And, and what about the meat? Do you, do you have cattle?
1: Yeah, in Tecpan. Okay. That's when you're going to a lake. Tekpan, yeah. Yeah. So I have a dairy cattle and meat cattle, and we're growing. We have black angus, red angus, Hereford, YU, and Akawushi. I have lamb, sheep, and goats. So we've so we got cattle. a chef we have here we, and owns. The milk is Jersey
0: cattle. A chef here who owns some cattle, sheep. Well, yeah, that's goats. another. That's the other. A lot of enterprise. most don't, right? Productos
1: Lacteos Valparaíso. Have you seen those like red barns around the city? I don't know if you see. I them. have
0: not noticed, but maybe yeah, I'll okay. take a look. Well, you can Google it or yeah. you can
1: search us in Instagram or or Facebook. Productos Lacteos Valparaíso, and we're doing honest, daily products. You know, high quality, no uh, color, uh, preservatives, no. I don't know how to say, you know.
0: Well, as it yeah. should be, like, almost honest. like grass-fed cows, or yeah, like we
1: we are like in in making high quality, we high tech, but still and an not a artificial intervention yeah. or anything. Just so it, more like natural. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's grown. not organic, but almost organic.
0: Yeah, well, that's amazing. Um, okay, so uh, going back a little bit, you. Left Peru, yep. uh, you finished culinary school, you, I know you worked hard there, you, you had multiple jobs, uh, what was your next step when you left Peru? Same thing, came back, started working at a restaurant, you know,
1: even though Peru is so similar to us, you need to know your clientele, so I started working for the lowest, the first job that I ha- I could find, you know, they paid me 3,000 quetzales, that is, you know, that that is not much, and... And I started working here just to, to see how people uh, or what my clientele might need, you know, to understand the watermelons, Because I had a good idea by selling wines. I started selling wines since I was in school. So I had a good idea how watermelons behaved and what they needed, but it's not the same thing. So I started working here. I worked in like four or five different places, and then we set this
0: up. That's awesome. So then you set it up with that traditional model that you mentioned before. Yes. And then after COVID, you had to transition. But now it's a beautiful restaurant. You no, know, this place holds me, drags me down.
1: Again. So every time I, I think I'm going to just get out and start something new, something happens. You know, it's the second time that I reinvented this place. So it's, it's cool. Well, I mean, one of the
0: things entrepreneurs have to learn to do sometimes is shift, right? Shift, shift with situations. If
1: you don't shift, if you don't move, you will die, you know, it's... You have the change. You have to to keep moving, keep changing, keep thinking what to do, uh, what to. You know, it's really cool. Yesterday I was in with my wine tasting group. I have a, a, like a club or a group where we get together every month. Sometimes this is one of the perks of the business, right? Yeah, <laughs> but this is with the uh, importers of wine. We yeah. we have a selected group called the Gran Cru Guatemala, and we we taste wines. Uh, almost every week and i heard a st- story of, about a restaurant that is just open here in the city it's really popular it's, and it's a change and the owner is crazy about copying everything that i do you know <laughs> so it, it's really cool to hear those stories i don't yeah. get mad uh, i i'm like okay there are always i've seen a lot of copies of but a lot of stuff and i'm like okay we're doing it the right way you know because if people thinks that they need to copy our style because it's working, you
0: know. So you must be doing something right if other yeah. people are trying to, yeah. to copy you. So it's a so um, it's a and flattery. I, and yeah, and and
1: it's cool because I, I'm really creative and these ideas just keep popping in my mind. So it's like, okay, now I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna change the game again. You know, it's yeah. cool.
0: So you're so your 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 family has been in, and your father, you know, is in the medical and pharmaceutical industry. And I think you, I feel like you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but. What was it like when you were like, hey, so I'm going to go into the culinary industry and I'm going to be a chef and, uh, and go into the hospitality. I didn't <laughs> anything. No, no.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know that. It's not the first
1: thing that my dad was thinking that I was going to be, you know, but he, he supported me. He said, you know what, I'm good at what I do because I like what I do. So you have to like it if you feel like you're going to like to cook, just uh, I'm telling you one thing. I'm going to support you once, and you have to be your very best. Because if you fail or you want to get out, that's your problem. I'm going to support you once. But I'm supporting you, and he support me all the way. So that's great.
0: I, I know you're the oldest of th- – of you have two two, two younger sisters, sisters, right? Correct. And one just graduated uh, – In – how she was, what, in Switzerland? In Switzerland, yes. and what Was it hospitality? Hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. And hospitality. that's a tough industry right now as a lot of things are still closed and see, not open, right?
1: She, you see, it runs in, in, our, in, in <laughs> our blood, that sort of thing, you know. It's, yeah, she, and I'm glad because now she's back. She's going to help me with all the stuff that I had to do. I, with the restaurant, one thing that I lost is the, you know, I have to be here so I, I don't have time. Uh, so everything I have to do from here is really hard for me to get out, and some of the ideas and some of the stuff that we want to develop uh, needs somebody taking care of stuff outside here. We want to develop a lot of stuff in our farms in Petén and Coba, in Petén in Cobán and Tecpan. So now I'm really happy that she's here because she she's actually going to help me a
0: lot. Oh, that's good. Well, uh, nothing like uh, roping the family back into the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's already having that tough time, you know. You know, okay, welcome. <laughs> but also welcome for her, it must be it must be nice that she's got a successful older brother that is. Uh, yeah, I can show her, you stuff. know, show her, show her the ropes, and um, and and show her the next steps. Speaking of next steps, uh, so, you know, you 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 mentioned coming back here after culinary school, and uh, you know, learning the ropes from working in other places, restaurants, and, and, and maybe in the wine industry and things like that. Um, how do you go from basically being a chef, uh, working for others, to being the a, a chef and owner of your own restaurant? What was the steps it took to actually open your own place?
1: Well, I started uh, as a cook. You know, chef uh, means boss in French. So you don't study uh, the career is not calling it's not chef okay you're you're a cook. you are study culinary arts that's what you study. You don't study to become a chef. you become a chef by working hard and becoming the boss. but it's, it's not a title that you can get in a university or academy. it's something that you earn. Yes that's the same thing. I came and started working as a cook under a chef in the restaurant and then they hired me the second job, they hired me to we were supposed to open a restaurant that didn't happen i move again uh, because i was going to be the chef of that restaurant i moved again and they hired me as a chef in a peruvian restaurant and while i was there a peruvian and, restaurant here in guatemala yeah. and then they i moved to another place where they were supposed to to do actually that no, the Peruvian restaurant was the second. And then they. I moved to a place that offered me to open, like, not my own restaurant, but, yeah, I would be the chef. I will decide everything. And it, it was a better opportunity. That didn't happen, so I moved to a restaurant that was about to open. It was really funny because they were a week from opening, and they didn't have a menu. <laughs> they wow. had the whole place set up. That That is not as uncommon as you think you know people that invest in restaurants or wants to own a restaurant usually doesn't know how to do it <laughs> and usually starts like they rent the place buy all the equipment they don't know what they're buying they're buying they buy their chairs their tables their everything and that's what happened they had all these things <laughs> just the, the restaurant was ready to open even had a name and it didn't have a menu wow it was like oh, my dad it's the only time my dad said to me don't do it when i told my dad i was going to take that job he said no man that sounds like failure i don't want to see you fail and that actually encouraged me more man i I blew it out of the sky i made a simple menu the kitchen was badly designed the equipment wasn't good i had most of the places that i work i had everything that i needed there i didn't have it but. it made me think more, you know? So it was it was actually nice. So yeah, after that job, I, I came here. So yeah, it was a lot of steps, but it, it they all helped me, they helped me understand. Not working with everything you need it makes you think and be creative and just yeah. present solutions, and that's your job as a chef, to make, you always have problems. You have to bring solutions to the table. Yeah. Not one three four five and take and take the, the 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 one that you think is the best and you have to do it in seconds you don't have to do you don't have time to think yeah. you have to be really really quick and you know just take decisions it's something that you need in this job the ones that are successful is that people is not afraid of taking decisions they're gonna stand with their decision and just handle it and if it doesn't work you have to re think and fix it again, you know? It's just, you have to yeah. move really quick. That's in seconds, that's
0: fun. Well, it's, it's interesting because it seems like that wasn't the ideal situation to walk into, like your dad noticed, but it was a situation that provided you an opportunity to problem-solve very fast, right? And that- yeah,
1: yeah, but uh, it's something that I, I was always good at and this just helped me like grow in that matter, you know, it's,
0: it's cool. Yeah. So for those uh, maybe listening, I remember I have a, I have a student uh, from my last semester who actually uh, knew who you were. When I mentioned, uh, I just generally mentioned, oh, yeah, you know, uh, this guy I know that I've met, uh, become friends with Diego, uh, he owns a restaurant over here. Diego Harkin? Oh yeah, he's a famous chef in Guatemala. That's what that's what he said. I said, really? Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I just famous, met him. At, I just him over cigars. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we,
1: we just smoke cigars.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so, um, but I know he had some interest in opening a restaurant. So if 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 what are some some steps um, that you might give? Uh, maybe some first steps or any steps or advice that you might give to somebody who might be preparing to maybe own a restaurant or be a cook or be a chef or do something like you're doing what What are the first steps they should take
1: first of all go to work <laughs> and work go, go work for a place uh, and see what's really about and then you will learn a lot of stuff and we would see if that's what you really want for like for me for instance it has been really hard to fill up a position uh, here because I need to hire people that study, like my sister, uh, the, how do you say, hoteleria? Uh, hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. So, but these girls don't want to work on weekends, don't want to work till late. This is... That's the business. That's the business. Yeah. So that's the job. So first of all, go to work for free because I bet they they won't pay you because you don't know nothing. So they're going to teach you, but go to work. Go see what's really about. See what's not being around your family, your friends, your girlfriend, whatever. See what's that you all have to work on weekends, on holidays, and long hours. First of all, find out the real truth about this industry and see if that's what you like. After that, decide if you want to be like a chef that goes around the world or if you want to have a restaurant even even though if it's not in Guatemala but you have to get to know the clientele of the place where you want to have a restaurant because it's like for instance Chinese food if you try Chinese food you can find out about the ent- identity of the country because they adapt so you can try a f- uh, egg fried rice in any country and it's gonna be completely different it's gonna be seasoned and prepared as the people that lives there likes so that's what you need to do find out what your clientele likes and see what sort of place would you like to put you if you want to make money with food uh, like in guatemala you need to go uh, to a cheap uh, to a cheap role business because Guatemala is not a, well, the most of the popular doesn't have much money so the, the money is down there yeah. but if you want to be chef and have a culinary you can't do that maybe you, so, that's something I aspire I, I need to do a lot of business because in the, in the fine dining you don't make a lot of money but you like develop your career you develop as a chef and it rewards you in so many other matters so it depends. You need to think what would you like, and who are you are
0: going to be uh, uh, taking care of, like clients. You know. Yeah. So, so yes. Diego, you're still a very young man, but uh, ha- is there anything that you've contributed to Guatemala's culinary scene, or hope to? Like I told you, I th- it just by
1: seeing by opening my restaurant, I've seen a lot of changes around. So uh, I didn't open. A, I didn't own a restaurant, and I was already in the like your student mentioned, I don't know if I'm, I was famous, but I was on the... You were known. I was sort yeah. of known. Yeah. And now that I open a restaurant, a lot of things happen and change around the business. And I know that for a fact because, like I told you, I've been selling wine, so I, I have, like, a way of telling. And, you know, it's a small country. You, you find out who is uh, copying, doing stuff. Guatemala was going through, I think... Uh, Everybody was fighting fighting for being the cheapest and trying to do a good experience. I said, you can't be cheap and do it just fine, you know. So I said to myself, you know, this is is a high-quality place. It's in the rooftop of a building that says something already, you know. You are above everybody.
0: It's a beautiful view up here. I mean, we're actually inside right now, but you can be outside – and so actually even in the inside here uh people can't see it on the camera but i'm looking at windows all around and and you got a nice view so and you, you nice and i
1: and i had Billeroy and buck uh, you know uh, i had everything high quality so i i, I needed to do, do some high quality stuff
0: so and sometimes for that,
1: i can't charge cheap so i changed that and i have now i'm seeing that actually my competition is going up with prices trying to do in Drew drew better stuff instead of cheaper stuff, mm. so right there already, you ha- you see a change.
0: Yeah, well, and also I know that sometimes it's it's you know you could come here just to, to have dinner or lunch or something, but you also sometimes have a. Uh, I've seen DJs here. I've yeah, seen, today uh, Friday live we have a music. DJ. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the young woman was last week on your birthday, uh, but Sophie. Sophie, she was fantastic. Yeah. I was like, wow, she is really. She's every
1: Thursday here. Chofo is on Fridays. On Saturdays we. We change, we have different bands, groups, DJs, whatever. And usually the Sundays is uh, Mané.
0: Mané with the, like the Sunday fun day brunch. Yeah,
1: so the thing is that uh, I think music also makes, you know, makes a different vibe. And you know, it's about giving all your senses and experience. And also when you're
0: here, if you, like me, like cigars. Yeah. Uh, Diego has a little cigar, uh, kind of a little humidor over here. You can get some cigars, um, which I think is the way you persuaded me to come because we met at Caranto. And you said, you know, Francisco, I personally uh, prefer coming to Caranto to smoke my cigars and yeah. hang out. You know, I, I, I like we, to get out of my own place. Yeah, but when I'm, uh, you know, if you want to come to Cabell and eat and maybe before or after dinner have a cigar, We've got an outdoor terrace and you can smoke here and it's been a nice place to come and do that once in a while. Um, and just nice to, and actually, you know, sometimes you see some other c- uh, cigar uh, aficionados that like to, to yeah. come hang out. Uh, tell me what uh, what is it that you like about cigars? Uh, you smoke them almost every day, it seems. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and any favorites you'd like to share?
1: Well, uh, yeah, you know, cigars are like wine, are like, uh, yeah high quality liquors like food you know it's an experience it's journal not, you're not just smoking Is yeah. i don't get cigarettes and all that babes and stuff Same. you know that then they don't give you something else the only thing is uh, the only thing i smoke besides cigars are hookahs uh, uh,
0: it's a similar, uh, like, long-form kind of smoke. Yeah. Type. I mean, it's different, but it's, it's... Yeah,
1: you know, but it's about the flavor and the yeah. experience and just preparing. And, you know, it's, for me, it has to have a meeting. I don't need to have just the smoke. And cigars give you all that, and it's like wines. You have all these priorities types uh, places they grow tobacco from and so every time you can take care of them and see how they uh, evolve and once they are aging they change you know it's something you're not just smoking you're like really having an experience I like experiences in my life and like wines cigars you have different types of cigars for different situations there are cigars to go to a concert or a party. There really? are cigars to enjoy with a friend. There are cigars that, are enjoy, that you can have just to to give you a treat and say, you know what, I deserve this. You, you open a nice bottle of, uh, you know, round whiskey, cognac or wine, whatever, and a nice cigar and said, you know what, you deserve it. It's <laughs> just, you're gonna treat yourself. That's, that's cigars. So cigars are more much more than just smoking. That's why I love about yeah. cigars.
0: Yeah, they're also great for, uh, for you know having a nice conversation. Obviously people, and right?
1: people that like cigars, we tend to think alike and have similar tastes. so it brings you together to people that in sort of a ways yeah. kind of like you. and most of the time it's really interesting people in different sort of businesses. and But we all have something in common, so it's nice. And so the conversations are always good. Yeah, because they, they really are. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't bring you to, you know, people that is not going to give uh, something to your life. All people around cigars somehow just give you something. So, so it's cool.
0: So Diego uh, smokes cigars, uh, drinks drinks nice wines... Uh, obviously, he's a chef, so you know he eats well. But he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, uh, and so uh, he talked about running after freaking getting off work at one in the morning. But yeah. I know you were, uh, you know, in college then, uh, and so you were, you probably had a little more energy, but. Um, I, I know that you still work out pretty regularly and you actually compete sometimes in boxing. Tell yeah, about I'm a professional boxer, <laughs> a professional yeah, boxer. Boxer. boxer guys. Are, how, where did these people find the time? I never understand. No. Uh, uh, so you're a professional boxer. And um, tell yeah, us a little bit t- about that. For instance,
1: that. I went to bed yesterday at one something in the morning and got up today at six, went boxing and training for two hours and. Then I go. I come. I came here. You know, it's if you want, you will find the time. I need to, to sleep between four to eight hours if I can, but I never sleep eight hours. It's really weird. But with four to five hours, I'm good. And you know what? To be in this place all the time, making decisions, you need to also have your your mind uh, really in a in a good set. And for me, uh, making any kind of sport or something it gives me that. Yeah. And just because you're busy, just because you're a chef, you don't need to be fat and don't take care of your body. And you know, it's it's your body. It's, if you if you are not good, you you can't do anything good. So uh, that's what I believe. I try to to eat healthy every time I can. Uh, obviously, with a nice glass of wine, obviously, but if i can eat healthy i know how to cook healthy and tasty so i i try to do it every time and i work out at least 5 days a week you know and some at least 45 minutes to an hour at least you know to keep in shape more than i i, I don't want to be like a, a model or something i just need to feel uh, good to be in shape to to have my mind in a clear state because that's a moment for me One of the few moments that I have for me and not to think about anything else. Good thing about sports and actually boxing. If you're thinking about something else, you're going to get hit. So (laughs) you're focusing only in defending and hitting somebody else or training with the bag you're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about yeah. family, friends, uh, or any other situation. You're just relaxing your mind and training your body. So it's a great therapy. It's better than the It's the funny because some people would,
0: would hear that and think you're relaxing your mind. You know what?
1: That's something a lot of chefs we have in common. A lot of chefs do uh, some sort of, uh, uh, how to say, contact sport. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, karate, boxing. Interesting. A lot of chefs. We do that sort of sport. So when you talk to chefs and you start talking, we have a lot of things in common, like the cigar smokers. We have a lot of... uh, We all have a... a, You know what? uh, How's compulsive uh, disorder and stuff we have all stuff <laughs> you know and some of the things that we most have in common we like contact sports <laughs> so that's, that's, interesting.
0: W- that's interesting yeah well and also people think of boxing and it's obviously very grueling it's a contact sport but it's a sport of the mind as well obviously it's, very, it's very very more
1: fit. about your your head once you lose your head you lose your fight yeah it is it, it's, it's an art you know obviously you're being hit and you're hitting you are you have to think, it's just not about throwing punches.
0: It's the other thing I liked what you said, I grew up playing um, uh, very competitive junior tennis and then I took tennis into my adult years and played. And I remember just you know, five, 10 years ago when I was playing a lot of tennis, um, I would get off work you know and I'd go play, t- and it's like you worked all day and then you play tennis. But what I loved about it, kind of what you just said, when you're playing tennis or boxing or whatever it is, for an hour or two or whatever, however long you're out there, you totally forget about everything else yeah. you forget about the day you forget about deadlines you forget about whatever and it's just you're in that moment of of, of the sport and yes. it's just it's it i fr- i actually fr- like don't even realize it and then i remember like the next day or later that night i'd be like where like where was my mind for those 2 hours like i totally forgot no, about no your world mind existed. is not there
1: you're just yeah you're just doing your thing and that's the the good part uh, yeah, you can be physically tired, but once your mind is resting, your body just responds, reacts. Yeah. If you have a tired mind, everything is just worse. You, tired. You don't see solutions. You just, you just see problems. Your body is tired because your mind is tired. So having a, a healthy and clear mind is much more important than going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I usually... write sacrifice my, my bedtime or my bed hours for, for sports. Obviously every time I can, I try to just sleep a little bit more. It's not, you know, yesterday I couldn't get up. So why? Right. You You
0: just have those days you got to sleep in. So yeah, yeah, I just sleep. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Uh, uh, all the things you're doing. So, um, last couple questions here, Diego, you're, you've been so generous with your time. Um, what opportunities, You've, you've, you know, again, you're still a very young guy. Uh, but what, what, oppor- you know, Guatemala, uh, from what I've seen and experienced, and then the, a lot of the people I've talked to, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of changes in Guatemala in the last 20, 30 years. Um, but what opportunities do you see for, for other entrepreneurs in, in Gua, especially for those in Guatemala?
1: Wow, Guatemala, there's a room and opportunities yeah, in every corner, you know, uh, I think Guatemala is full of opportunities and I really would like to encourage people to to see that, that Guatemala is a great place uh, to live, to work, uh, to develop businesses. Uh, I know your podcast is about entrepreneurs, but actually uh, uh, I would like to make a a reminder that great companies need great employees also. So preparing yourself to work for companies is not always a bad idea. But yeah, and talking about entrepreneurs, I think there's room. I think you have to really pay attention to the sometimes obvious stuff. It's not only about what you would like to do. It's about what your clientele is willing to pay for. So remember that, you know, because a lot of people says, oh, I have this great idea. I saw it in, I don't know. Some place in Europe or Asia or something and I think it might work here okay yeah but no we are not alike so think about that I think I think there's a lot of things that Guatemalans like need and sometimes need to go out to get so there's room for that but you need to think about who are you are going to be a uh, like selling, attending, whatever you do. So yeah, pay attention to those obvious details and work hard. You know, nothing comes for free. Uh, yeah, you see my fancy life on the Instagram, and <laughs> because I,
0: everyone's got a fancy life on the Instagram. Yeah, right? <laughs> or oh
1: well, yeah. When well, you just mentioned that, yeah, I smoke cigars, drink wines, nice quality liquors, and yeah. But in the other hand, I have to work. 16 hours a day I don't I don't get to see my family I don't get so there's always sacrifice there's that's sacrifice. what I mean so work hard nothing comes from free so that's it
0: yeah that's good um so one of the last things I want to ask you was uh so we talked about Guatemala but obviously you you uh you did you lived abroad in Peru for a few years doing culinary school I know you've you you mentioned traveling a, a bit uh, yeah. um how, how how much have you traveled in your life uh out, particularly outside of Guatemala, and what have been some of your like m- maybe most interesting experiences? Uh, maybe you've traveled for food or you've learned things in the about food and hospitality. But what yeah. can you say about what travel has has added to your life and what you brought back to Guatemala? Uh,
1: every time you get a chance to travel, travel. It opens your mind, opens your world, opens your eyes, your universe, everything. If you are stuck in the same place, uh, you, will, you some you will be blocked, you know? There's a lot to see. And it, you can grab, like I told you, great ideas and see if you can adapt them and turn it into a, a good business or a, a, an important part of your business. Like, for instance, the service. Uh, the guys that work here, they usually are, at first, when they start working with me, they are like really mad at me because they don't understand. It's not their problem but I've seen different so I can take that and push them to be better to that for instance that's a great example of what traveling can do for you yeah Uh, I understand I don't have the same uh, uh, they are not I don't have students for the best university working like waiters here but even though I don't have them I can make those guys I can prepare them I can teach them and I can make them think and try actually to give them the experience. Sometimes I take the time, close the restaurant, and just feed them and teach them, and trying to make the experience as close as they, so they understand what they're doing. So that's one thing about traveling that can help you. And then uh, I I wasn't a fan, still not a great fan of like molecular and modern techniques in cuisine, for instance. So I went and work uh, in a Michelin star restaurant and see it from inside, and then, then I understood it a little bit more and saw what it was about, you know? So that, that's another example. So yeah, I think every time you get the chance to travel, travel, uh, not everything that you see outside is gonna work in Guatemala, but uh, you will see a lot of crazy stuff, grab new ideas. And if you are a creative person, that's what fits your mind. So, yeah, keep doing it every time you
0: yeah. can. Well, Diego, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've got It's been great getting to know you during my year here in Guatemala. Uh, I hope to welcome you to the U.S. Yeah. at some point. By the way, I know you've traveled. You have some family in, in the U.S.? Or well, no? I have a couple of cousins, but I travel a lot most of
1: the time because of uh, of of tourism and uh, business the cows we 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 have cattle in the states in canada also we have partners in cattle and because I think, we're bringing down genetics from from
0: i Wisconsin think i remember since, since i got to know you there was a month or so that you were in the us maybe maybe you were up there getting the vaccine <laughs> yeah. or whatever uh, I, it was and a you fun traveled story. from like texas to california yeah or I, I crossed the whole country and you went to the grand canyon and yeah. vegas yeah i, I went mean, yosemite you yes. literally, like, wh- I remember watching your Instagram that w- month or whatever, and it was like, this guy is going to, like, all the coolest parts of the U.S. right it now. It was
1: great because, uh, actually, I, I hadn't the time to, to travel or I, I, I didn't even have the time to, to grab a cigar in Curanto because I, I was, you know, just taking care of this business, trying to to bring it back up, back up, and my dad comes to me and says, do you want to get the vaccine? Obviously. Okay, let's go to the States. And the plan was to stay for four days, five days, something like that, because I told him I need to go back to work. And we were there when the, our crazy president <laughs> shut down this country again, and so my business was sort of run again. I had nothing to come back to really because everything will be just like... Uh, hard to do it It was when we had to close at six again and everything so it was the perfect excuse to be with my parents and my grandma my grandma was with us so we just decided to stay on the whole month to get the second shot yeah and we travel all around the the states from one coast to another literally from from one coast to another yeah from the atlantic
0: to the pacific oh you started in the atlantic yeah or you started in the gulf of mexico you mean like houston yeah yeah uh, so we think of the Atlantic more like the other side of Florida and New York okay, and all okay, that. Okay, but okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. But okay. still one coat on one coast, one in some coast sense to, yeah. to another. Yeah. One to another. And it was
1: really cool because the end of the trip was actually Napa and I love Yeah. Wine. So it was a, the, I was the one that was driving. So that was my like treat, you know? So the end of the trip is going to be Napa. I went to a great cigar place and just enjoy wines. I had some I went to some wineries. I have friends in the industry that represent Californian wines. So they set me up with some with some wineries and it was really cool. And the most important thing is I had a month with my parents and my grandma. That's something that usually doesn't yeah. happen. So,
0: well, we always have to remember the time that we can have with our the people that mean most to us and family, especially older parents and grandparents. Yeah, I In mean, that's, that's, in, that's, in this industry,
1: important. it's hard, you know. You know, uh, it was my birthday, past Thursday. and I only had two hours to have lunch with them, and I came back here. You know, so it's, back to work that's it and the
0: birthday party was at work right (laughs) yeah it was at
1: work so actually I wasn't planning a birthday party I just said everybody that called me and or sent me a message I told them to come here and you know I had a I invited to a glass of wine or a beer whatever you like and had some food but at the end of the night i think like 60 60 70 people yeah it was a lot of people here. here it was fun it and, was and really you had fun. sophie the musician the musician she was it started great. raining we had to go inside it was yeah. like crazy but it just, yeah it was really fun yeah
0: yeah well uh if again if you're in uh guatemala city first of all if you haven't been to guatemala come i to keep guatemala. telling people come to guatemala it's the most amazing place magical magical place and uh if, if when you're here zone 10 which is one of the nicer p- parts of the city and um and then you come to Cabell, which is in the Building DOS. So it's really great. So we'll put some some uh, information in the show notes. Uh, we'll link to the Instagram. So when you follow Agents of Innovation on Instagram and all that, we'll link to Cabell. Um, they always they're always posting some great some great content on their Instagram as well. But Diego, it's been great getting to know you. I'm glad thank for you. our friendship and uh, thanks for uh, welcoming here me wow. to Cabell and thanks for being on the podcast.
1: No, no, no. Thank you very much for inviting me and thank you guys for listening and and watching us because I think it's going to be on YouTube also so uh, I hope you come to Guatemala I hope to to have you here at Cabell Uh, and thank you again for your friendship your time and the opportunity to, to talk about what I like to do and what this great country has to offer so and
0: thanks. and again I, I have to say this again still a very young man so we're going to watch his career over the decades to come oh, a lot we'll of ke- things we'll are keep coming. coming back to, to yeah. guatemala and seeing uh diego's uh yeah uh, we didn't even talk about that but you've got a lot of things on oh, the yeah. horizon so we'll we'll bring you back on uh in the future to talk about that cool when i i pop my new stuff uh,
1: i'll let you know and we can do another podcast about,
0: all right sounds know. good diego thank you so much